Hey, it's uh, great to be, um, I'm always interested in the kind of cluster of kind of themes that are in the middle of our fast, a time of fasting for kind of breakthrough that Pastor Sam kind of led us to do this series, Spirit Led, and you kind of think, how does that all fit together? And then, you know, that he chose this passage from Luke 4, and you realize, actually, it does all kind of come together, that there's this period in Jesus's life that, um, that the Spirit leads him into a wilderness place. Wilderness places are places of, of, of where, where it's difficult, where, where there's not ease, there's not, there's not flow, there's not abundance, and, and, and the devil has an agenda in there to take you out. The devil has an agenda because he hates you, but somehow God, God is so big that he can take that and actually make that his instrument to transform you, that you get an inner victory that then prepares you to step into your promised land. And so this idea that kind of fasting would go together with spirit, would go together with preparation for breakthrough, you go, yeah, actually, this is a pattern in Scripture. And sometimes I feel like we, we need some kind of roadmaps that make sense of our experience, otherwise we can get lost in there. And so I, I, I kind of want to unpack this a bit, this idea that, that the spirit takes us to a place where, where, where the, it can be kind of constrained, it can be difficult, it can be frustrating, and, and, and to be sure the devil wants to take you out in that space, but God is looking for you to find a victory in that space that will then propel you into your promised land. You know, it says Jesus was led into the wilderness and he overcame. And there's another theme in there for 40 days. There's a set period for this. It's not supposed to go on forever. We're not supposed to camp there. We're not supposed to get lost in there. We're not supposed to, but there's a period where God has allowed this to happen and for the purpose, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. And I, can I want to tell you that if you're going through a difficult time, it's not a failure. It's God set up for your success. It's God set up to propel you into your next season. And if you'll find a victory in the secret place in that difficult time, you're going to have the foundation for the success in your next season. And so that's why it's kind of how all these things fit together. And uh, a few weeks ago, I shared with the staff and students a theme around this whole thing of breaking out of the grave clothes and stuff. And Pastor Matt said, oh, you should do that again. So Pastor Matt, I'm going to do it again. So I want to talk about this idea uh, that, that, it's t that we in these seasons where we step out of places of captivity, we step out of places of death, out of places of bondage, and part of our thing is then to remove some of the stuff that we picked up in those spaces, to take off the grave clothes and go, actually, it's a new season. Yeah, I've been in a difficult place, but I want to tell you, though, the devil had an agenda to take me out. God used it to establish some new things, and now I'm going to walk free into the new season that God has for me. And, and, and I was, but I don't want to take anything negative from that last season. I don't, I don't want to carry the smell of death. I don't want to carry the smell of the fire. I want to go, you devil, you meant it for bad, but God used it to build something in me that was a divine setup for my next season. And, and God's like, God wants to rob the devil of his victory of anything he's done in your life by using his very act to build something positive into your life. And it's like, we want to take back that territory. So um, many of you know this story, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, because we do Christmas productions about it. People are focused on the Aslan and the witch and all that kind of stuff. 
but it actually sits within a bigger frame of, uh, it's said in the Second World War when London was being bombed and so they would send children out from London to live in, in country houses. And so these four children are sent to live with this professor in a country mansion. And if you know the story, um, one day one of the girls walks through this wardrobe and suddenly finds herself in this whole new world of Narnia, of lions and witches and battles and stuff, and, and they actually find that in that new world, they are kings and queens in that place. Uh, uh, but the whole point is, it was stepping through a wardrobe that took them from one world to another world. It was one moment, one brief pathway that ushered them from one reality into a new reality. And I want to tell you that God is in that kind of business. And one, we find ourselves in one moment, but in, he shifts us into a new season. One, day, one moment, Joseph is a prisoner. Next moment, he's the prime minister of the known world. One moment, David is a forgotten shepherd. The next moment, he's anointed king. Come on, you are one moment away from your next season. You're one moment away from your success, your flourishing, your, your new season in God. And, and all it takes is, is God takes us through these seasons. But, but you know, for, for a brief moment in the wardrobe, I guess it was dark and it was a bit confusing in that space, but it's like, don't stop there. You're walking through to your new season. Don't get lost in that moment of transition. Keep going into your new season. And so we need to understand that Spirit-led, He's leading us into new seasons, into new possibilities, into new flourishing. Uh, but the devil doesn't want us to go through. He wants us to go, oh, this is as good as it gets. I'm never going to have anything different. This is my lot in life. This is what my family's always had. This is what I've always been. And the devil wants to rob you of the possibility of stepping through into a new season, into a new beginning, into something of new flourishing. And that's why I was saying this whole thing of fasting actually is not like this act of desperation, like having a little tantrum with God. It's actually because we believe things can change. We believe this is not as good as it gets. We believe that in one moment of breakthrough, our world can change. And that's why we fast to break through the wardrobe, if you like, into a whole new dimension of life. Um, there's a whole lot of passages in Scripture that talk about this kind of thing. Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm 126 is like, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. It's like if you've ever been in a difficult season in your life and, and, and then God turns it around, it's like, I almost got to pinch myself. Is this a dream? Because it was so bad before. And, and can I actually really believe that God changed my world? And it, like God wants to give you those experiences. If there was a time like I felt so overwhelmed with condemnation or whatever, and I, I almost pinch myself to think that now I'm living in this freedom. If you're married and there's been a time when the marriage has been difficult to then go, it's almost, do I have to pinch myself that we're actually in love again? Or when there's been trouble with kids or something to go, to actually like, it's almost like a dream that we're playing happy families again. And this is, a, this is what God does in our lives. I can, my, my testimony would be, if you keep pursuing God, you find, you're going to find yourself pinching yourself like, I can't believe the hole that God dug me out of. I can't believe that I walked through from a dark place into where God has me now. 
And it's like spirit-led. He wants to lead you out of places of captivity into places of freedom, out of places of bondage into places of life. And it's like, man, I, and that's why we fast, because it's like, God, I just need to tip over into freedom. I'm believing this is not as good as it gets. I'm believing there's something better for me, better for my life, better for my family, better for my future, better for my destiny. And I refuse to settle for this. You know, and so the, the kind of emotions associated, that our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And it's like, yeah, to be in that place, like, Yes, it's happened. Imagine when we get in our own building and we're like, yes, it's going to be the greatest. But imagine when, when you achieve your purpose in life, when, when you get a breakthrough from failing at school and then you succeed and qualify in something, when, when relationships are restored, when you find purpose, all of that is like, it's a season marked by joy and celebration. And I, and I love how it goes on. It says, then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things. The Lord has great, done great things for us. It's interesting that sometimes other people see it before we do. Other people are like, man, what God's done in your life is incredible. And we're like, oh, is it? Yes, it is. And you're like, oh, yeah, yes, it is. And it's like, we need to encourage each other. Like, God has done great things in you. Because here's the thing, it takes a while for our self-perception to catch up with our reality sometimes. We're locked into still thinking certain things about us. And actually, God has done something new. And God has changed things. And it's like, we need to champion each other on. Come on, we believe in you. We think that you're amazing. We sense a future in you and purpose and destiny. And it's like, oh yeah, I think I could believe that too. But it's like, we need to play catch up with what God has done. Because it's like, is it just a dream? Is it going to all fall over? No, no, it's your new reality. You walk through a wardrobe into a new reality where you rule and reign with Christ. Where you have overcome things. Where you are victorious. Where you're flourishing. Where the winter is over. You know, and... It's interesting with this thing, verse 1, when the Lord restored our fortunes, and it talks about all of that, but then in verse 4, it says, restore our fortunes. It's like, which is it? This is, I think the, the point is this, he, he found himself in another dark place, but the difference this time is he's got a testimony. He's got a memory. God, you've done it before, you can do it again. I've been in a dark place and I've seen you bring me out of there. So I'm confident you can do it again. God, I've been in a place where I'm trapped and you shifted something. I walked through a door, my life changed. I believe you can do it again now, God. And I, it was great again, Pastor Matt with the staff, I think just last Tuesday, got, got people to talk about their memories. And my wife was there and she shared some stuff. And I was like, oh man, I'd even forgotten about that. But like when we were living in Manila and one day it was, and there was no power and we ran out of water, we had little kids and we literally had no water. And I was just like, I've got to take a bucket and go and find some water for my family. It's about, and, and, and God opened the door and someone saw me and gave us some water and stuff. Well, times we ran out of food and ran out of money and God supplied. And I was like, oh, yeah. And for me, it's like, oh, yeah, I've forgotten those things. But those are the source of confidence to remember, God, you've done it before. You can do it again. Because we find ourselves back in seasons, back in this wilderness, back in this difficult place. And it's like, God, I need you to do it again. But the difference this time, if I'll remember, 
I've seen you do it before. And so again, you realize verse 5 and 6 we often read are actually statements of great faith. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. It's like what seemed like just barren and sobbing, actually I was sowing stuff. Because I've seen now that there's a season of sowing and tears. You think about a field that's been plowed like there's nothing there. But oh, what I thought was empty was actually a season of sowing. And I'm confident that there comes a season of reaping. And, and reaping with joy. And again, those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves. That's like, think of, it's like, I've got to remember, there's a season in my life where I went out with nothing and I came back carrying the bounty of God. I've seen it before, I'll see it again. I've got to catch that in my spirit, that, mem- that thought of walking in, barely able to hold the blessing of God, barely able to hold the harvest of God, barely able to hold the flourishing of God in my life. It's like, I've seen it before, I'll see it again. And it's like this confidence that, we're, that that's going to happen. You know, Psalm 23 is a similar kind of thing. Again, even though I walk through the valley, it's like, yeah, in life, I'm going to walk through some valleys, but that's the point, I'm going to walk through them. I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to give up hope in the middle. I'm not going to sit down and sulk and go, it's all over. I'm not going to give in to the devil's declaration that this is your destiny. I'm walking, yeah, I'll walk through some valleys, but I'm going to walk through to the other side. And in the midst of the valley, I'm not going to be afraid. The Spirit is going to lead me into wilderness places to lead me through that place into a season of power, to lead me through that place into my promised land. And so I'm going to learn how to navigate those seasons. I'm going to walk through them. And so Psalm 23, um, commentators point out there's actually no requests of this. It's just all statements of faith. And he's like, because you're preparing a table before me. If I'm not seeing it yet, it's because he's still preparing it. He's not absent. He's not silent. He's preparing a table. Absolutely. I might be walking through a valley, but I'm headed towards my table. Come on. It's being prepared. If I haven't seen it yet, as Pastor Sam often says, if we don't see God's blessing come uh, to us, it's because he's still doing something in us. God, if you're leading me through the valley, it's because you want to settle something in the wilderness that sets me up to enter my promised land. Now, devil, you want to take me out in the wilderness, but God wants to use that to set me up for my promised land. You know, and this, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Verse 6 is incredible. Surely, that's a statement of absolute confidence. I might be in a valley right now, but surely, absolutely, with absolute confidence, God's goodness and love will chase me down. The, the word uh, follow is the word like when it talks about uh, enemy soldiers pursued someone, hunted them down. It's like this weird kind of sense. Do you know what? God's love and his mercy are hunting me down. If I'm not seeing it right now, it's because his spirits led me into a place where he's dealing with some stuff in my life to set me up to get ready to receive the promise of God that's coming my way. And it's like, man, spirit, keep leading me through the valley into my promised land. Keep leading me through this into my harvest. Keep leading me into all that you're, something bigger than I've ever imagined. Some of you carry dreams for nations and stuff. It's like God's leading you. Everything he's doing in your life, he's drilling down, he's digging foundations to set you up for something bigger than you've ever imagined. 
And it's like, man, we need to trust to let the Spirit lead us into these places where we're winning victories in the secret place because that's our foundation for victory in the public place. You know, and so his confidence in this, God is my shepherd. He's leading me through this. I'm spirit-led. God, if you haven't opened the door yet, it's because you want to settle something in my heart now. And once that's settled, it's just a real short step through a wardrobe into a new future, into a new harvest, into a new beginning. You know, Psalm 84 is similar. Verse 6, as they pass through the valley of Baca, that means a valley of tears, they make it a place of springs. Holy Spirit, if you've led me into this place, the devil might have a destination to leave me here weeping, but I'm going to find a spring in this place. I'm going to find living water in this place. You're going to transform me in this place. I'm going to find a source of life in this place that's going to set me up for my new season. You know, and, 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 and because of that, well, the foundation for it's actually in verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. I've actually set my heart that I'm going forward. I've set my heart that if it's not good, it's not the destination. If it's not good, I'm not camping here. If it's not good, I'm not going to raise the white flag and surrender to the devil's agenda for my life here. Come on, I've set my heart on pilgrimage. I'm pressing on through the wilderness, through the valley, until I get to God's blessing. If the Spirit led me into this place, it's not because this is my destination. He's going to lead me out the other side into power, into significance, into influence. And we do, he just needs, the Spirit needs to set us free from the hopelessness in the wilderness that goes, it didn't work. I failed. It's not going to happen. No, no, that, that's his lie to get you to camp rather than to go through. No, the Spirit led you into that place for you to win a victory on the inside that sets you up for the victory in the outside. It's time to let something arise with that. And, and so because of that, verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Every situation I walk into, devil's trying to take me out, but God just uses it to build in a strength. God uses it to build more in a strength. God uses it to build more in a strength. That sets me up to step into my promised land. It's like, oh, I, I understand now how the Spirit's leading. You know, because um, the whole context of Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place? It's like, I want to dwell in that place of freedom. I want to dwell in that place of life. If I'm not there yet, I'm not going to give in and surrender. Oh, well, it didn't work out. Oh, well, I failed. No, that's a lie of the enemy. You're meant to keep going towards this place. Don't give in in the dark place. Don't sit down in the wardrobe like it's dark in here and it's confusing. Come on, one more step through takes you into your Narnia, takes you into the place where everything changes, takes you out of the prison, into the prime minister, into the palace, takes you out of being a shepherd into being the king. Don't camp. Don't give in. In the moment of darkness, in the moment of wilderness, everything in heaven is the devil just, if they'll just give in, if they'll just, if they'll just get offended, if they'll just give up hope, if they'll just get angry with God, I've won. And if something will dig down and go, God, dig something deeper in me, it's like that's the very foundation that's going to set you up for your next season. You know, because the whole foundation, blessed are those who dwell in your house. God, I want to experience that blessing. And if I'm not there yet, 
I'm going to discover the blessing of setting my heart on pilgrimage to get there. Come on, where are you stuck? Where are you needing a breakthrough? That's what we're fasting for. But with an expectation, God can bring a breakthrough. God can change things. God can break down barriers. God can lead us out of stuck places. God can lead us into places of freedom. Um, In the Bible, it talks a lot about wilderness versus promised land. In writing about spirituality, they often use the metaphor of the four seasons, that God often works in seasons in our life. If you think about it, spring is a time of new life, and and everything's fresh, and everything's new, and then summer kind of turns into a full harvest and maturity, and often some hard work too. But then autumn, it's like uh, it's like the seeds and the produce is being sent out, but there's but there's a there's a fading away, and, and there's an accumulation of the toxins of that that season, and, and it's like preparing for winter. And then there's winter time when everything's stripped away and everything's bare and nothing you, nothing you try works. Um, that, that's the equivalent of the wilderness time, the winter. The promised land is like the summer, but actually the four seasons is a bit more kind of sophisticated that we all move through these seasons in our life. And I like this one, the idea that it's kind of cyclical, because here's the deal There's a whole spirituality to each season. There's a whole way of doing life, of following God. In winter, it's like everything, God's just stripping everything back. God's causing you to dig deep. You try anything new, nothing works. Everything's stripped back to the bare basics. And that's what happens in winter. But then spring, suddenly, in winter, anything, nothing that you try works. In spring, it's like, I don't even have to try. Stuff's springing up everywhere. My problem is there's too much happening. And, and um, it's interesting, I was thinking, we, uh, again, we, in, our, in my 20s, we were really passionate about mission, and we went overseas and stuff. And then God called us back to New Zealand, and, I was, and it felt like he just cut away everything. I was really confusing time, and I was like, I don't understand God. And people would prophesy about, oh, one day you're going to travel around the nations. And I'd just sit there and weep because it's like, but nothing works. And then, and then now, particularly having come to Equippers, it's like a few weeks ago my wife sat me down and like, we're not doing this year again like this. You're way too much. And it's like, oh, this is what springtime's like. In the winter it's like nothing works. And springtime it's like too much is happening. And, and I gotta, it's like you've got to prune out the carrots. You've got to choose a few things to grow to maturity because you can't mature everything that's happening in springtime. And it's like, oh, man. And then summer, it's like, man, I've got to work hard to gather in the harvest. But here's what I've observed with people. Do you know, I reckon the hardest transition spiritually to make is from winter to springtime. For this reason, in the winter, you learn to kind of batten down the hatches, not to get your hopes up, not to try anything because you know it's not going to work. And it's hard to dare to believe again. It's hard to dare to try again. It's hard to dare to allow life to spring up around you again. And, and, and that's this whole thing. Man, we need to get good. At, the Spirit will lead us at times, allow us to be led into wilderness times. But I don't want to get so used to that that I, that I live in permanent winter. It's for a season. And God allows it for a season. But if your season's been going too long, something's wrong. 
Because then it's supposed to establish the foundations for your next springtime. It's time to let life spring up again. It's time to let something arise in your life. There's a couple of images of this that I, th- that I think is important. Because I believe tonight, God wants to see some people set free from some things that have held you back. And they're stopping you, they're stopping you from letting the Spirit lead you through the wilderness into your promised land, through the winter into your new spring through seasons of struggle and challenge and disappointment into a new season of hope and new beginnings. And, and a couple of the images is this. One is of, is of fire. I talked this morning about positive fire of the Spirit. This is a negative fire. And Daniel, if you know the story, these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were thrown into fire. And again, God used it to establish something. Whether he saves us or not, our, our God's able to save us, but whether he saves us or not, we're going to serve him. Something was established in the fire. Certain things can only be established in your life in the wilderness, in the fire, in the winter. That's why he leads you in there to put the roots down deeper. But he doesn't want you to camp there. And I love this, that there's a certain point that verse 26, the king says, come out of the fire. The king says, you've been in there long enough. Try to walk out of the fire. Some of you have been in there too long. You got lost in there. You got lost in the wardrobe and all that moldy, smelly old coats and stuff. Time to come out into your new future. Trying to walk out of the fire. Come on, the Spirit led you in there, but He's leading you through there. And, and, and this is the point which we all know. Uh, down the bottom three lines, they saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was the hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and this, and there was no smell of fire on them. Here's the beautiful thing, that you can allow the Spirit to lead you into the fire, but you walk out of the fire, and you don't smell of fire. A lot of people have been through fire, but they always smell of fire. They got burnt. They got hurt. No, no, let the fire purify but don't walk out carrying the smell of fire because it will taint everything you do. Come on, that's a new season. The Spirit's led you into the fire, but He's leading you out of the fire. Let Him call you out of the fire, but leave behind the smell of the fire. Just a little attitude, a little cynicism, a little guardedness, a little, just a little self-protectiveness, just a little negativity, just a little affair. No, no, don't carry the smell of the fire. The fire was for a season to purify. The fire was a season to establish something. But then the king says, come out of the fire. But don't carry the smell of the fire. Come on, the Spirit wants to lead you into a place of freedom. The other image, which is even more powerful, which is where I want to finish, is the story of Lazarus, the greatest miracle in the book of John, in the middle of the Gospel of John. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to a tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across. Take away the stone. But Lord Martha said, sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Jesus' friend Lazarus has died. And, and, and they're like, here's the thing. It's one thing to be in the fire where you're getting burned. It's another thing to go, no, something actually died in that season. I've got great news. If you're in the fire, the Son of God protects you in the fire and calls you out. But I even got better news than that. Even when something died, 
he's able to call it back to life. And we're like, no, no, just keep it covered up because it stinks. There's something that smells. There's something, I don't want people, it's going to offend people. They're going to kind of scrunch up their face at it. I don't want anyone to know about it. We want to cover it over and not let anyone know. And Jesus is like, roll away the stone. Because I want to actually, I just don't want to call you out of the fire. I want to call you out of the tomb. And maybe there's some things, the devil just didn't burn me, he actually took me out. He actually destroyed something in my life. And we serve a God who calls you not just out of the fire, but out of the tomb. How cool is that? Come on, stuff that the devil took out of your life. God wants to call you back. You know, just it's interesting looking at the different translations, the old King James. Lord, by this time he stinketh. He has been there four days. Another translation. There is a stench. Or the smell will be terrible. Come on, there's some stuff in our life like we're just carrying the shame, this guilt, the sense of failure, this disappointment. And it's like we just want to keep that covered over because if I exposed it, it would just stinketh. And no one's going to love me and no one's going to like me. But Jesus comes again. And like the king says, come out of the fire. Down the bottom, verse 33, when he had heard this, maybe I can get the musicians on. Jesus, oh, thanks. The rest can come. The rest of them. When he heard this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And I wonder if there's some people like just the stuff of life. Somehow you found yourself in a place of fire, but also you found yourself, something died. Your hope, your faith, your trust, your confidence, your dreams. Can I invite you to stand? And again, just, because I just don't want to communicate, I want the Holy Spirit to minister. So again, maybe you want to close your eyes or something. But if there's some part of your life where something's died, where there's a st- I just want to keep that covered over. He's like, no, I, I want to roll away the stone, not to expose you, to embarrass you, but because I want to call you out of that place. You don't, we're going through there. How cool is that? We even go through tombs. Man, just, just the tenderness of God's going to come to people. They just let him touch your heart. Man, if you tried some stuff and just broken hopes, broken dreams. I thought God was going to do this. I thought she was the one. I thought he was the one. How could this person have done that? How could they have said those things against me? Maybe your kind of naivety died, your purity died, your, your faith died. And Jesus calls you by name and he's kind of standing outside and he says, I'm ready to receive you out of here, out here. And he extends an invitation, come out of the tomb. Man, I just sense the pain of some people. So it's your choice though. Do you want to walk out of there? He's saying, come out. Come out of the tomb. 
And God's anointings just start to come. Come out of the place. Come out of the place of death. Come out of the place of disappointment. Come out of the place of hope. Yeah, the, the devil meant to kill you. But God could use that to establish something that sets you up for your next season. God is about to redeem your failure. God is about to redeem your disgrace. God is about to redeem your mistake. I just sense the tenderness of the heart of Jesus that he's waiting to receive you outside the tomb. But you have to choose to walk out of your tomb. And and then he makes a really interesting statement. He says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And you know, in that culture, when when someone died, it's like they wrapped them in these beautiful spices and stuff and clothes, and it kind of covered the disgrace. It was appropriate at the time. It kind of was protective and covering. But when you've just walked out of a tomb, what covered you in your moment of death now holds you back because it actually carries the smell of death. And, 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 and this tension gets set up because on the inside there's resurrection life pounding in your spirit again. But on the outside there's still some grave clothes. And we face the decision, not only will I walk out of the tomb, but Will I, will I let those grave clothes, that attitude, that disappointment, that cynicism, that offense, will I, will I let that fall off my life? Because I want to step through the wardrobe into my Narnia. I want to step into my promised land. I want to step out of the wilderness into operating in the power of the Spirit. I want to take hold of my harvest. I want, to, I want to walk into everything God's got for me. And so my challenge is how to allow the Spirit to have led me through things, but not to get stuck there. Come on, right now, just let the Spirit cause some things to fall off your life. Just let the Spirit, like, you don't need that anymore. It covered your shame, but now it's holding you back. It gave an appearance of holding things together, but now it just carries the smell of death. And you don't, you're not a dead anymore. You're alive. The Spirit's led you into a new place, a heavenly place, a place of restoration, a place of resurrection. You don't need that anymore. Come on, there's a new beginning. There's freedom coming. Come on, there's a power of the gospel to hit people's life, calling you out of tombs, causing things to fall off you that don't belong there anymore. Come on, let, let a sound of freedom start to arise.